Welcome. This is Cascade Church Portland's podcast. We exist to invite all people to join us as we follow Jesus together in bringing heaven to earth. All right. We are in a message series in Numbers. And as we've talked about the name uh, of Numbers, that's what we call it in, uh, in Christianity. That's the name in it. But the original Jewish name is Bamidbar, which means in the desert of. And so that's why we've been exploring this book of Numbers is it's this wilderness time where the people, the Israelite people have been led out of Egypt by Moses. They are going to the promised land, but they're not there yet. And so we're looking at each one of these stories to kind of be able to reflect on our own lives when we have those kind of wilderness journey moments where something that we'd been a part of, something that we was part of our identity for a long time is gone. We're not in Egypt anymore. But we're not yet in the promised land. We're in this in-between. And one thing that's really helpful in identifying that is when our main takeaway in reading through the stories of the Israelites is, man, they are just the worst complainers. They complain all the time about everything. I think it's because we become disconnected from our own wilderness experiences. I'm not trying to like throw shade at us, but we are complainers in the wilderness. The wilderness brings out the complaints in us. So when we understand what kind of space they were in, then we can relate it when we're in those spaces and to say, what can I learn by kind of walking this journey with them? Now, this morning, um, how many of you have seen Shrek? One, two, or three. Any of the Shrek movies? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Shrek lifted the talking donkey bit from the Bible, (laughs) stole it from the Bible. And if you're like, I don't think there's talking donkeys in the Bible, then you're a lot like me because I grew up in the church. Not trying to brag, just happened. Uh, I grew up in the church. And so we, we went through lots of stories and like you hit, you know, Noah, he's got an ark, Adam and Eve. Yes, David and Goliath. These are the ones we hit. I got to high school and I heard about the story about Balaam and his donkey. And I'm like, you've been hiding this story from me my whole life? This is a talking donkey in the Bible. This should be the lead of every, this should be painted on every mural in every kid's ministry downstairs should be a talking donkey because that is entertaining stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The other thing to know is this is the only time, because it's written in the Bible, it is appropriate to say ass in church. Uh, That is another name for a donkey. And uh, so, and one of the key lines that people always say, this is a very pastor joke. If God could speak through Balaam's ass, he can talk through you. Uh, That's a, we got to get the pastor jokes out of the way as we go. (laughs) Speaking of that, shout out to Nathan, who in the middle, when Scott was still in process, says, I like the painting. It's a little half-assed. And I, (laughs) this is a good one. This is a good one. Okay. Hey, kids, only use those words when your parents approve. All right. So let's look at Numbers 22. We're going to kind of get into the story. We're going to hop around. If you brought your Bible with you, you can turn to Numbers 22. If you have it on a phone, other device, that's great. If not, we'll have it right up here on the screen. Number 22, starting in verse 2, it says, Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was the king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor 
near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whatever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. All right, a couple of things to catch up in. We talked about how the Israelites are a slave people that came out of Egypt. And they've been out of Egypt for a number of years. Uh, Kind of strangely, they were already a large group coming out of Egypt, but their numbers have kind of grown. But let's reflect on something. In this story, the story that Balak is telling himself and his people is these people are a massive threat to us because what have just happened to the Amorites where God has gifted them uh, kind of winning a war against this group that threatened them. And what's fascinating is you don't tend to equate a strong military force with a slave people who were recently liberated. They're not trained in warfare. This is not a warring country in any way, shape, and or form. But they see the number of them, and it creates this fear and insecurity. And so Balak starts telling himself a story about what's happening. Now, given Moab and their place in in the world at this time, and that they had been established, they're probably clearly a more powerful force and nation than the Israelites. And the reason why I say that is, this is a little plug for a future message series. We're going to be doing a message series on power dynamics and recognizing power dynamics. And what does it look like in people's lives individually and systems and cultures? Because one of the scariest things that happens in our world at any time with any individual is when a powerful person or nation starts painting themselves as a weak nation because now they are more likely to be able to justify force or use of force or manipulation towards another because they feel threatened. They've painted a threatened picture. And actually, if you go back even further, this is how the Israelites became enslaved in the first place, is that Pharaoh looked around and said, there's a bunch of Israelites, we have to enslave them. Is a way of, of creating a narrative that, oh, this is the threat, and so we have to respond to that. Uh, And again, we're talking power isn't a bad thing, but it's how do you utilize power? And one of the cores of the Christian story is when the God of the universe comes and Jesus Christ, God who has all power, how does Jesus utilize that power in the world? This should, for all of us, be our marching orders for what power do we have and how do we steward it in the world? Because we see a story here of it being stewarded poorly. Now, we introduce Balaam. And Balaam is, he's identified later in the Bible as a sorcerer. This is a person who clearly has some sort of power. And he appears to be a prophet for hire, uh, which is this funny idea that like whoever's the highest bidder, he'll come around like, who, who are we cursing today? Huh? We blessing some people? And they become blessed or they become cursed. And so this king sees these people coming and goes, well, let's bring Balaam in, which is a very covert way of, of hamstringing a whole nation, a whole group of people, is you're going to bring a sorcerer in to curse them without them knowing. This is very like uh, King Arthur stuff going on. So we're going to go to Balaam and see how does he respond. So we're going to pick up in 22 verses 9 through 12. God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? That's a great question by God. Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, 
Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people, because they are blessed. So what's interesting here is that we see Balaam as a sorcerer, and we have some other sources to say that he would call upon his power from many different gods. What's really interesting is Balaam is not Jewish. He's not an Israelite. But he has conversations and relationship with God, like big G God. The Israelite God is who Balaam is talking to. In all the Hebrew texts, we have no reason to think it's like some other God. There's just God. But Balaam's relationship with God is trans, it's a transaction. Whatever faith, whatever thing allows him to do the blessing or the curses is how he is pulling and utilizing his power. It's how he's doing it. So he's not Israelite. He hasn't said that this God is the only God. He said, look, I'm a free agent. And I'm looking to do some blessing and I'm looking to do some cursing. Wherever I get that power, I'll take it. But Balaam is having a conversation with God and saying, I'm being called to do this. And God says, no, I already gave a promise to Abraham. These are people to be blessed. You can't just go and curse them. Now, what's interesting is he tells them no. He sends them back to the king. And and Balak sends men back and says, look, is this about money? Because you'll get super paid if you do this. He brings his promise back. God goes, or Balaam goes, uh, sorry. Yeah, Balaam goes back to God and prays again and says, hey, they've upped the offer. What do you think? God said, go with them, but don't say anything that I don't tell you say. Anything I don't instruct you to say. You can go. And what's interesting is it appears that God is sending Balaam, but it's probably more true that God has in that moment stopped keeping Balaam from going saying, all right, the, the doors are open. You're going to go, but, but you're going to be responsible to say what I ask you to say. And now we get a donkey. Numbers 22, verses 21 through 27. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in its hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. And finally, in verse 26, and one more. Not there? Oh, it disappeared. All right. One more time, the same thing happens, where Balaam's donkey sees the angel of the Lord and stops, and Balaam beats the donkey. Now, one of the things that's interesting is, And this is one of the the things that people say. It's a criticism people have of the Bible. This is really repetitive. Like, couldn't you just say, hey, this thing, it happened three times. But they spell it out every time. And that's because, especially in the Jewish uh, scriptures, numbers are incredibly important. If something happens three times, it means it's total and complete. 
full. It's not lacking anything. The other number that does the same thing is 7 and 12. So 3, 7, and 12 have incredible importance in that way. When we talk about the triune God, we're talking about a complete and full God, not lacking in anything. So in this story, the reason why it's fleshed out this way is that there is a total incomplete blocking of the path by God. That's why it happens three different times. And there's three times that Balaam is not getting the message. Balaam's not saying, oh, clearly we're being told this isn't the thing to do. Now, if this is a person who his career is made out of sorcery, paying attention to abnormal actions of animals probably be something that Balaam should be tracking with. That's something to be aware of, that there might be a message there. There might be something that's going on. And then we get to my favorite of all. This is Balaam 22, verse 28. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, Wait, did you just talk to me? No, he doesn't. Apparently, he has a talking relationship with his donkey because he said, you made a fool of me, exclamation point. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Continuing in verse 30, the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? (laughs) No, he said. (laughs) I love that he just got logicked by his donkey. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord said to him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. I love that. Now, this is what's really interesting. Well, there's lots that's really interesting about this story, let's be honest. Uh, What's really interesting about this story is, again, looking at animals and imagery here, who's the character in the story that gets it? It's the donkey. We've intentionally picked the lowest of animals, the pack animal that is like about carrying loads and doing whatever. The donkey gets it. I mean, this is the wokest donkey you will ever find in the world and saying like, hey, The angel of the Lord is opposing me. I know better than to try and go through that. And Balaam's the one that doesn't get it. Balaam's the one that doesn't pick up on what's happening and doesn't get the message of what's going on. And that is an intentional movement in the story. There's a great verse in the Bible that says, God uses the foolish to shame the wise. And the reason why that's so important is that there's a lot of times where we predetermined in the world where we can and cannot receive wisdom and who we can and cannot receive wisdom from. These people know things and they're to be respected and to be listened to. And these people know nothing and you should never listen to them. And we actually live in a world today where if someone posts a video on Facebook of like, check out this person's thought on that. Most of us before even watching it have decided if it's a video worth watching on name alone. I'm not going to watch that person. They don't have anything worthwhile to say. Or why would anyone watch that news channel or listen to this thing? There's no wisdom there. And what's interesting is the Bible continues to say you can't do that. One of the core teachings of the Bible, especially of the Jewish faith, is that if there is one God who created all people, then that God is not limited in how we are spoken to or how we are reached. And it doesn't mean that we just take everything at equal level. 
that if anybody has anything to say, that we are going to be listening to it. But it does mean that we shouldn't predetermine who is worth listening to and who's not. If nothing else, if you only receive information from the same people you've always received information, are you really going to hear anything new? Where's the growth? Where's the development? Where, where are we going to hear how God is speaking to us fresh and anew if we keep on listening to the same sources we've always heard and we've always been plugged into? There might be some donkeys in your life that you need to listen to because the donkeys might have some great points about the nature of who God is. The story continues. Balaam doesn't turn around. Balaam ends up going. And what's interesting about the story is that Balaam doesn't do a curse on the Israelite people at all. It's actually way worse than that, is that God speaks a blessing over the Israelite people in front of Balak three different times. He keeps on upping the money. He's like, hey, why don't you try that curse thing again? Because that was like a bad, it was actually the opposite of a curse, that thing you did the first time. And Balaam continues speaking for God and, and speaking a blessing over these people. So what do we do with a story about a talking donkey and a sorcerer prophet who God is speaking to and talking with? One of the things that I thought was most interesting about this story is Balaam's relationship with God. That God wasn't the God. God wasn't the one that had, because ultimately if there is one God, that means that this God would be the source of all truth. The things that are right, the way that we are supposed to interact with one another, interact with ourselves, interact with the world, would come from this one God. And if you have a relationship with the world and with life to say, I'm just going to kind of see what works for me in a given time and worldview, you can actually start to get down some pretty dangerous paths. And while we can often look back at the Bible and be clearly see like, well, Balaam had it wrong. Good thing we're Christians because we got it right. Or if you're not quite there yet, at least I'm sitting in a Christian church. You know, we, we got it right. Like we understand we've already claimed this is the true God that we worship here. So we've cornered the market on this truth. But I wonder if Balaam's relationship with God actually isn't fairly descriptive of our own relationship with God. I think sometimes we have a fairly opportunistic relationship with God. One of the great things that is said is that God makes people in God's own image and we make God into ours. And it often becomes true is that God stops speaking truth to us about the world and the life that we live, and we utilize God to reinforce our beliefs that we already have. Are you familiar with this tactic? That when someone says something that's different than what you want, you're like, well, God says. Or translating, well, the Bible says this. And where do you go from there? What's the next line in the conversation? Well, God's wrong. You can't do that. Well, God told me this. No, God didn't. You can't do that either. It becomes an end of the conversation. And so we utilize God as a power to hold that can kind of trump and end the conversation, that there's no more things that we have to entertain. There's no other voices. There's no other reality that we have to entertain anymore because God is there to justify our beliefs and actions. 
The relationship between Balaam and God in this story is that Balaam had somewhere he wanted to go, and God was saying, no, this isn't a place you're going to go. That ultimately, God opposes the path, but Balaam doesn't listen because Balaam doesn't have a relationship with God that makes sense and that this is the God who is the originator and creator of all things and the holder of truth, but rather my relationship with God is to ultimately do whatever I want to do, and hopefully this God's going to bless it. So the first question is, what's our relationship with God? Most people in the United States... When they're pulled, they say that they have some sort of relationship with God. And I think it's helpful every once in a while to sit back and say, but what is my relationship with God? Is God ultimately calling and stretching and moving me into places that I need to go and places that are different than where I normally go? Is God ultimately leading me or am I telling God these are the places I will go and I won't go? Now, I told you before that I grew up in the church, and I've heard this message preached before, not on Balaam and his donkey. It came through another way, but it's ultimately, what is God's role in your life? And a lot of times when I heard it in the past, it kind of all funneled to certain things, and the message ended with, and this is why you need to go on a mission trip to Nicaragua, (laughs) because God's calling you, and who are you to oppose? Or this is why you need to sign up and help out with the kids' ministry. Or this is why we need more greeters or people to do these things. And sometimes that's the movement of God. Sometimes God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone to that place. But I think it's way bigger than that. I think there are relationships in our lives that are strained. There are phone calls we don't want to make. And God is saying, make the call. And we're like, ah, there's probably the pizza I ate last night. I don't think that was God's voice. I think there are ways that our God is calling us to engage in our finances, or engaging us to engage in our parenting if we have kids, or to engage with our parents as we are kids. I think there's ways that God is moving and calling us and, and directing our paths. And the question is, are we awake and aware enough into everyday life to see the signs? If Balaam had been aware, he didn't need to be opposed three times. He would have been able to say, hey, something's going on here, and it requires me to stop and to listen and say, all right, God, what's going on? And I think Balaam's path is usually indicative of a lot of our paths. When people want prayer, is my job as a pastor, people ask me to pray a lot. It's usually not, hey, Kurt, I'm about to hit up the grocery store. I'm not sure how much to spend. Could you pray for me for that? It's like the big, big things. And that's not a bad thing. If you've texted me, I'm not trying to shame big things. Big decisions usually bring us into a place of saying an awareness that I need God. I want God with me on this journey. God, where are you leading me? But oftentimes what happens is we want God for the really big decisions. Which job should I take? Which decision should I stay in this house? Should I move across the country? And we pray and we seek. And like Balaam, we hear an answer and we're off. And a relationship with God where we're checking in with God and saying, what should I do kind of goes out the window. 
I used to work in youth ministry, and one of the big things that happened with high schoolers is, which college should I go to? And I like to say, whether you go to Oregon or Oregon State, what will a relationship with God look like in both places? Because we don't need God just for the big decisions, and then we'll check in with God when the next big decision comes. But are we checking in daily on the path? Are we seeing, God, where are you leading me? Or are we making God into our own image where God is there to justify and validate the decisions we've already decided, we've already made? How I want to close this morning is a time of prayer. And I usually find that in prayer and silence, I'm reminded of the things that God's already told me. I'm reminded of the past that God has already opposed. I'm reminded of the things God has already invited me to. And I'm like, well, if you tell me four to five more times, I'll be certain it's you. But instead, can we pray and seek and say, all right, God, I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to move in this way. Not that I am certain this is the path, but the way that we discover God is by taking a step by listening and seeking and being aware of what's happening around us in the world. And God ultimately, I think, seeks to expose to us who God created us to be when we're willing to stretch and follow, when we're willing to not just do the things we've always done, but to see where God could be calling and leading us that's uncomfortable and different. These are the places where God shows us who we are and gives us confirmation that this is who I've called you to be in the world. So again, we're going to do a time of prayer. And my hope is that we could say, God, I want to have a relationship with you that's not opportunistic like Balaam, but it's faithful in the way that the disciples just sought to follow after Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the story of a talking donkey. (laughs) God, I pray that we would have the wisdom of a talking donkey. That, God, we would be awake and aware to this life that you have given us, God, to follow and seek after you. God, I pray that in the same way that Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, that, God, we would hear the invitation to follow you. And that, God, into those uncomfortable places, we would seek after you. God, when we see the paths that Jesus has led before on how Jesus used power always to serve, that, God, we would see that as a clear path for us. God, in the ways that Jesus told Peter to put his sword away when he was being arrested, God, we would see the path that you're leading for us as well. God, open our eyes and ears that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the paths and places you are leading. May we be made in your image. And God, may we stop making you in ours. God, would you speak to us now?